Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Chris Stashew. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we're the hosts of Dreams for Sale, the Twilight Zone 1985 podcast, otherwise known as the only version of the Twilight Zone worth watching other than the original. Every episode, we talk about one episode of the show. So there you go. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. If you haven't joined us before, go on and check out the rest of the RSS feed because we are very close. We are desperately close to the end of the first season of the show. It's only taken us a year or two. It's been a while. (laughs) Quite some time, needless to say. But we are talking about episode 23 of the Twilight Zone 1985. That episode is split into two sections. Shadow Play and Grace Note. We know that a dream can be real. But what if reality is only a dream? We exist, of course, but how? In what way? As we believe as flesh and blood human beings? Or are we simply playing parts in someone else's feverish, complicated nightmare? Think about it, and then ask yourself, do you live here, in this country, in this world, or do you live instead in the Twilight Zone? So, Shadow Play is based off of an original story by Charles Beaumont called Shadow Play, which actually happened to be an original episode of the original show as well. This version is directed by Paul Lynch, and it stars Peter Coyote, or Coyote, or Coyote, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it, as a man trapped in a world of his own creation. Possibly, possibly not. Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to give my opinion first. I am curious. Mike, what did you think of this segment of the episode? That was all right. I didn't go back and watch the original that this was based on, but I figured it had to be pretty darn similar. And, I mean... I know that this existed before, but I want to say, like, I've seen this kind of thing before. The guy who's trapped in a loop, and no matter what happens, this happens. Which is kind of funny, because we're going to talk about another loop episode, I guess? A day in Beaumont? I would say that is a loop episode. Yeah, and it's a nod to Charles Beaumont, I imagine, who is the author of this one. Uh, There's a lot of nods in that episode to a lot of other things. (laughs) A lot yeah. of odds. 
I thought it was okay. I was I wasn't really happy with this whole episode, but we'll we'll get into it. What about you, Father Malone? Uh, this is uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna concur with you, Mike. It's it's just okay. I kind of like seeing Peter Coyote kind of playing against type a little bit, um, but. Uh, Charles Beaumont happens to be my favorite writer from the original Twilight Zone, and uh, I did go back and rewatch the uh, original episode, and it is so far above this one that it's it's kind of shocking. Like I thought it was okay, and then when I went back and rewatched the original, my opinion of it plummeted. It's just it's it's not okay. It's uh, okay. <laughs> mm. What makes the original better than this one? All the acting is top-notch in the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Dennis Weaver um, as the lead. Young Dennis Weaver. Well, Gunsmoke era. Dennis Weaver. Um, the writing in this one, what they chose to rewrite, ended up making it kind of bad. Really bad. And um, I thought all of the peripheral actors, anyone who wasn't inside that prison, they were kind of terrible. It just like goes to prove that like a, a really good actor can make a mediocre script better, but... A bad actor can make a good script even worse. Also, let me point out that it's the if you go back and watch the original, it's really well shot. Um, I didn't even catch the director's name, but uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the camera. So um, it felt more experimental. It felt more like a movie, whereas this just feels like a kind of a television thing. Also, <clears throat> in the version that we got here with Peter Coyote, it, it seemed to me from the opening frame that that there was no question that this was a guy trapped in a loop in his mind. Whereas in the original, the the interplay between the peripheral characters and the lead character, you kind of don't know whether it's actually in his mind or not. Like, or is this guy just crazy? So they play a little bit more with it in the original. And this one, it's just, I don't know from, from the opening frame, I was just like, okay, when, you know, we're, we're stuck in the loop. When's how's this going to end? I mean, so uh, there was no tension for that in that sort of area for me. Yeah, it feels like he said, uh, why bother? This is just going to happen again anyway, like within a few minutes of the opening of this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, at, you know, at, at this point in the Twilight Zone, especially if you're watching them like all in a row as we are, like, you know, sort of out of the gate, we should believe the craziest theory got kind of thrown at the screen and everything else that happens and it doesn't really uh, serve to undermine that notion that maybe the this is just the ranting of a crazy man. So, I don't know. It just kind of doesn't have any tension. doesn't really go anywhere. Uh-huh. But you, Chris? L- look, as someone who has a podcast about these kinds of things, you know, the Scary Stories We Tell podcast, where we talk about this idea of, you know, if you can't tell if it's real or not, does it matter? If are you know, Are we in a simulation, you know, here on the corporeal plane that we exist on as humans? Are we in a simulation? And this, this episode... This episode segment tackles that in a very ham-fisted way. It's not, it doesn't really ponder that question. It says, it gives you the answer of, yes, he is in this creation of his own kind of working. I guess it's, you know, it's, he lives in his own mind or in a fantasy creation in his own head. He's trapped in his own head, living these different scenarios. It's never really explained and it doesn't need to be for it to be disappointing. It's just disappointing on the face of it. Because like you said, Mike, I've seen this before and I've Mm -hmm. seen this before in a way that's much more entertaining, much more well thought out. It is a goddamn shame that Peter Coyote, fuck, how am I going to say it? Peter Coyote uh, is in this episode as 
a character who is meant to be sympathetic, I guess it's, it's, I mean, again, I, I have no idea if he's meant to be or not because he comes off as sympathetic, but other times you're just sitting thinking, well, okay, I mean, he clearly did something to deserve this. This wouldn't be the Twilight Zone otherwise, but they don't have anything to say on it, which is a shame because the best episodes of the original show have something to say on the topic that they're talking about. They have a point to make or a, you know, a homily or just some 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 point that they need to make and they're using this episode as a vehicle to talk about that issue or that point. I mean, to, to see the Invisible Man is a very good example of that. Uh-huh. And this episode has that opportunity and it squanders it completely. Just completely squanders it. And like like yourself, Father Malone, I did watch the original and... Yeah, I really, really, really can't stress enough. If you've seen this and you've never seen the original, going back and watching the original will make you realize how just absolutely disappointing this is more so than it was if you had never watched the original. Yeah, just on a visual level, uh, like I was saying, like in this one, you know, the, the they're in the prison and the, the other well, Jigs, the other prisoner asks him, what it's like when you uh, are led to the in in this in this version it's a scaffold in the original it was a, an electric chair and as he's describing the story in in the Twilight Zone from sixty one we get the visualizations of that and it's all like split diopter and interesting stuff and in here it's just Peter Coyote talking in a cell uh, yeah. so I, I just uh, I can't say enough good about the original version and you know kind of blah about this one it's okay it just doesn't uh, it doesn't update the material at all that's a shame it, it really like it, it, it genuinely is a shame because peter coyote a coyote fuck i don't know how the fuck i'm gonna say it it's coyote why are you oh, saying yeah, coyote for god's sake i've heard yeah. <laughs> i've heard people say coyote before i'm not making well you've also heard people say coal shack as well <laughs> and you know what people didn't like it, <laughs> um <laughs> peter coyote <laughs> sorry peter Coyote, Jesus, why am I having a hard time today? Uh, he deserves he deserves better as an actor, right? Yeah, he's a pretty good he, actor. He does, but but at the same time, I don't think he's all that great in this one. Mm-mm. No, no, no. He he's not given much to do. He's he's given the uh, you know he's given the uh, just kind of look wistfully at the camera and wonder what you're doing in this situation and what you've done to deserve it. Because well, we're never really told what he did. We're more left to kind of, I guess, wonder what he did and assume what he did. And it's like, why don't you just fucking tell us? What does it matter? Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. so full transparency, I watched this a month ago when we thought we were going to record about this. or I did. You guys didn't. However it worked out, it worked out. So I didn't go back and rewatch this. I can't remember. D- Is he guilty of a crime? Is... But, it- <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he says that ours. he says I must be guilty of a crime, and I, this is how my mind is paying me for it. So, oh, God. Or, it's that it's and, that like it's that weird bullshit of like I must have done something to deserve this, otherwise I would not be in this scenario. And as we've seen in the Twilight Zone, that has to be true because otherwise you wouldn't be able to tell the story you're telling. Hmm. But I don't know what he could have done to deserve this kind of torture because this kind of torture is. I mean, this is worse. I mean, you know how they always say, like, there's things worse than death. This is worse than death. Right. Like, Certainly. This, this seems like this seems like a a punishment worth wanting to die to never be part of this. It's purgatory. I mean, this reminds me a lot. 
of a Black Mirror episode that they had where it was this woman being hunted. And it was very similar in that um, it was for a TV show. And she's being hunted, and it's her and I think another guy. And I want to say that they kidnapped a child, and the child died. And when they capture her, and I can't remember how far they take it, but then they take her and they wipe her mind, and then they do it all again. And so with that... They the the people will change roles just like how in this like it's a different guy in the cell across from him it's a different person that's a lawyer it's a different person that's the judge and then they'll switch them up for the next time and it was very much like that I I know that they must have been inspired by this episode but I had to say and I hate to sound like you know uh, a whippersnapper here but I think Black Mirror did it better because then you're questioning yourself how because you you know that she committed a crime and then you're just like well how awful is it that she gets tortured every day for other people's enjoyment and you know like she has no memory of doing these things and just like keeps getting caught and being in this perpetual straight state of fright wouldn't it be better just to kill her and that's what i don't get about this episode is what is what is what are the terms of the punishment because there doesn't seem to be a point like just going the go round of, uh, you know, a day in the life of a convicted murderer and, you know, then you die. It's like, what is the point of that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you, achi- what it, is being achieved here? Uh, you know, and I think with the original, it was, it was less about, uh, what the crime was and more about sort of the, the, the effects of it. But in, in this particular one, you know, you've, you've got like 30 years, 20, 25 years or so, uh, in between the original and this one. So, you can kind of go where you want with it. And uh, they don't like in the original one, it's basically that he's stuck in that loop and that's, what's so maddening about it. But in this one, he seems to know what's going to happen. It's obviously he's stuck in the same loop, but he doesn't seem to do anything differently himself. You, you would think that we would at least get some sort of groundhog day kind of thing going on where maybe I'm not going to rush the judge this time. Maybe before they even read the verdict, I'm just going to run out the door and spend my last day free. Like, he doesn't really do anything to affect the change other than beg the other characters to believe him. Well, and that's... He does mention at one point, he's like, you know, I've tried beating you up in this cell for it to do anything, and it didn't work then. uh And, like, they they kind of hint at that, like, Neo in the room in The Matrix 2, where it's like, here are all these thousands of possibilities that you have done, and you're just another version of this you know, of this of this opportunity here, and you could do something different, but you're going to do the same thing. And again, something else that traffics in a very similar thing here, doing it better. And it's, again, it just comes back to what is the point? What is, what is the, does this punishment fit the crime? We will never know. So let's move on to the next segment, Grace Note. To live life fully, one should hear the melody the world makes. Pity those who stumble through their years without ever hearing the song. The greatest gift we can bestow on those we love is to help them hear it. One life ends, another begins, but the song of life fills the universe, even into the last, highest, darkened balcony row in the Twilight Zone. So Grace Note is directed by Peter Medak. It stars Julia Mygenes as a, as a singer who has sacrificed her dreams to... Take care of her family. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Here's a, I, I have one note written in my notebook about this episode. Schmaltz. That's it. it uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most 
tear-jerking uh, attempt uh, at television I've ever seen. And, like, just... This happened. This hasn't happened that much in this iteration of the Twilight Zone, but it is uh, a, a pitfall they f- they do tumble into sometimes, which is the supernatural element or sci-fi element or whatever is just conveniently there so they can tell us a slice of life drama that if they didn't have that sort of genre element crafted onto it, nobody would pay attention to it, and it's an insult to <laughs> genre fans. When they when they just sort of cram this down our throat, I I didn't like anything about this one. I tried to pay attention, and I was just like, "What is going on? What's happening here? Why is this little girl in a hospital bed? Who did? What about the dance?" And I I it just it was so tough to care. What I didn't understand is what's the point of this episode when the story that it's telling is such a non-story. It is once again like you have both mentioned. A story that has no point. It's just like, like you said, Father Malone, it's a tearjerker. It jerks at your heartstrings, but it doesn't do it particularly well. It just doesn't. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to find the fact that there's a, a child dying sad. You're going to find it sad that this woman is, quote unquote, thrown her life away to take care of her family, which, by the way, I'd like to point out, it's the most fucking admirable thing you can do as a human being is sacrifice your life for someone else's, especially if it's a, if it's a family member who has leukemia for fuck's sake episode. Um, it, it almost makes us, tries to make us feel bad that she's spent her life taking care of someone who is sick. And I didn't like, yeah, what the fuck show? Like as, as anyone who I'm sure is taking care of a sick child or family member would know this it, it like this framing device is Tone deaf at best and mildly offensive or offensive at worst. It's like you gave up your whole life to make sure that someone in your life who mattered to you was able to enjoy their life for as long as you could. Like, what the fuck is this episode going for? I genuinely have no idea. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like it's a wonderful life, but it's just like, fuck you, George Bailey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you know what, like, okay, so this, the the dying girl gives her the vision of the future, which is going to happen anyway. There's no choice. There's no, there's like, there are no stakes at all in this episode. It's not like she's given a choice between this and that, and then, you know, gives, gets a vision of the future and then chooses one way or the, another. It's just like, here's what's going to happen. Like, great. Who cares? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who is supposed to care because... Like like you said, Mike, like you've said, Father Malone, the episode is such a non-any... It's like not even entertaining. There's barely anything to talk about. We're, we're talking more about this episode than it deserves. There is nothing that happened. It is a woman who goes into the future and sees that she's going to be successful and goes, great. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. On It's such a disappointment because it's a waste of time. Not because the people that are involved are particularly more talented than anyone else. I mean, that is a fucking shame in and of itself. But what's the point? What was the point of this segment? Yeah. <laughs> this, oh, I, I think, I, I think I take back what I said about uh, Dead Snow or, or uh, Red Snow. This is the worst segment of the show we've seen. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. Like, what is the point of this episode segment? I genuinely have no fucking... I'm still sticking with the uh, anti-abortion episode as my least favorite so far. Yeah, that one's, that, that one's tough to top, actually. But, yeah. like, is, is, that, is that episode any less offensive than telling the audience, 
you know, it's terrible that this person spent their entire, like, adult life taking care of a sick family member. And, like, you shouldn't... It doesn't... I can't tell if it's saying you shouldn't do that. But, like, why show this woman taking care of her sick sister and then her sister dying? And now she can be all successful. It's like, that is such a mixed message that it's just... It's completely (laughs) tone deaf. Don't worry if you're taking care of a sick family member. Eventually they'll die and you'll get to live your dreams. And I can't believe that... I, I can't believe that I'm I, I'm going to defend Little Boy Lost, but at least there was something going on there. Like, at least as muddle-headed and politically insensitive as it was, like, at least there was a story. In this, I, it's just a, a slice of life, I guess, but I don't care about anyone involved, and nobody makes a goddamn choice for 20-odd minutes. It's It's a waste of celluloid. Yeah, that that is that's why I say this is my worst so far, because I, I like at least. Yeah, like you said, Father Malone, at least little boy lost says something. Do we agree with the message? Fuck no, obviously. <laughs> but this is just like this is just like it's not entertaining. It's not a story. The message is beyond offensive to me personally. And if I mean, it's going to vary from person to person, obviously, because I put myself in the shoes of this main character going if my wife was sick. I wouldn't sit here and go, I'm just biding the time until you fucking die so I can get back to my real life, you piece of shit. Like, that, that's like, that is the worst so fucking option of this yeah. episode. Like, I mean, that's, that is what the episode is saying. I'm not reading into it. I'm not trying to mine it in my own head. Like, it's pretty fucking cut and dried. Even the outro is like, you know, when one life ends, another begins. Like, oh my fucking God, show. No. <laughs> And, you know, on a, on a just a sort of a fictional level here, like she the, look, the story takes place in 66. She gets a vision of 86. Right. So there's a 20 year period. So when she goes to visit her uh, uh, opera coach at the beginning, he's he says, you know, your time is limited here for you to be able to make it in any way in opera. Now, an opera singer who's about to hit her prime in, in 1966 isn't going to be the lead in anything. In 1986. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. Like saying, oh, I'm 19 and I'm a ballerina. And here's a vision of me at age 50. And I'm still the star. Like, get out of here. Right. Also, also, do not try to convince me that there was ever a time in New York City where you could pay $25 to go to the fucking opera. Get out of here. Come on. Come on, show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it, it, I mean, that's the other real weird fallacy of this episode is if you're going to set it 20 years behind... Like how many how many acts from the '90s are still big now? Like musical acts. <laughs> Green Day. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna respond to that one. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but what a fucking waste! Like we gave this episode a lot more time than it deserved, and this the the real thing is this episode is coming. This episode segment is coming in the same season as Shatter Day or uh-huh. Wordplay. <laughs> But you know what it is? It's another clunker directed by our good friend, Peter Medak. Oh, God, they've all been so good. <laughs> yeah, Dead Woman's Shoes, bro. Real good. Just so you exactly. know, the ep- the episode of that Black Mirror one that I was trying to think of was White Bear. So if folks are interested, go check out White Bear. I think it was second season. I'll have to check it out because it sounds better than this. But you then again, like the lep. The leprechaun artist is better than this, so yeah, faint praise. I mean, even in an episode, even when an episode has been bad, it has at least been like entertaining in how bad it is. This is just 
fucking boring. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just a complete waste. So, anything else we want to talk about? Mm-mm. Don't watch this episode. <laughs> yeah. Run, don't walk. <laughs> Run the other direction. Go watch anything else. Go watch Kentucky Rye. Okay? <laughs> like, that's the point I'm at with this segment. Go wow. watch Nightcrawler. Fucking, uh, if she dies. Just anything. At least those are, like, somewhat entertaining with a plot. So. But, speaking of entertaining with a plot, on the next episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be taking a look at the final episode of Season 1. That episode is broken into two segments, A Day in Beaumont, which we already mentioned, and The Last Defender of Camelot, which is written by everyone's favorite internet darling, George R.R. Martin, of all people. Cool. Yeah. The excitement is palpable. I can tell. Until then, where can people find you, Mike White? You can find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. You can also find Chris and I talking about Barney Miller on The Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller. And we are joined by our friend Richard Haddam as we talk about Rankin and Bass just for a few weeks here at the end of 2020 on the Rankin on Bass podcast. What is it, the short-lived joke that became an episode? became a short-lived podcast yeah the offhanded joke that became a short-lived podcast what about you father malone where can people find you uh you can check me out over at fathermalone.com uh you can link up to my podcast dark destinations which is a travelogue of fictional towns you can also hear chris and i over on chronicles from the crypt where we discuss the hbo television series tales from the crypt and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. I also do a podcast about movies called The Culture Cast and one that I've already mentioned about spooky things and the supernatural and the unexplained and true crime. And that one is called Scary Stories We Tell. As for this podcast, TwilightZone85.com and Twilight and Dreams for Sale on all RSS feeds. Big thanks as always to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for Dreams for Sale. And we'll catch you on the next episode.